Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello and welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast, this Monday morning edition. And as it is the 25th of July, we are remiss to say happy anniversary to the second greatest fish show of all time, July 25th, 1999. Kevin Shapiro, if you are out there in the world, in the internet, we would do anything for you to release this show in crisp soundboard quality. There's one of us, at least one of us, who would freak out about it. And if any of you out there in podcast niche podcast land would freak out as well, do not hold back. State your case. July 25th, 99, Deer Creek. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about? 
No, I'm just yelling yes, in silence. I'm just yelling into the void right now. I do, I do, I do know what you're talking about, and I was, I'm, I'm surprised that you had some thoughts on this, but um, but it's okay with me. It's okay. Um, it's a holiday around these parts, you know. I know. I thought you were going to say 725.92 because of that Santana sit-in, even though it was only it's one set. set. But that, that's not where you're going. Which I understand. I, I think it's, I think it's a good call. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I mean, I'm good. I missed you guys. You know, we haven't, I, I've been, last week we had our amazing show at the Ardmore on Monday. Thank you, Megan, for coming. Um, so fun. And then fun. we had the man shows and then I was traveling and I feel like I haven't been talking with you guys in a while and I'm, I, there's a lot to talk about. So I'm glad to, glad to be back finally, you know? We missed it's, you, RJ. Thank you. Missed it's you guys really too. good to see your face with a microphone in front of it. I don't see it enough mm-hmm. these days. <laughs> That's what some people might say. Um <laughs> we got a, there's a lot there's a lot happening there's a lot happening so we yeah. are diving in today we're diving in today to fish's single night performance from hartford connecticut 724 2022 we have a great round of guests lined up here today We've got marco Ugizi, who can be found on twitter at marco Ugizi, and Derek hartley returning guest to the podcast you can be found on twitter at dr hartley one really excited to dive in with those guys we're going to answer some really difficult questions here today like if i look at a show on paper and i don't like what the words say do i have to listen yes or if i listen to a show and don't look at the words on the paper do i get to like the show these are very complicated questions that are being debated around the Twitter world right now, and we have to answer them. That is our responsibility. Are you guys up for it today? I think so. I think I followed what you were saying. I'm ready. <laughs> I got confused with the double negatives, but I think what you're saying. Exactly. Was, <laughs> I think I, you're I, talking about the fish show last night, so I'm, I'm ready. ready to talk about that. I just want to – there's a lot of anger out there, and I just – you know, we need to – we're here to bring the volume, the temperature down. We are not here to – just you know, throw salt on the wound and just let things go crazy. We are here to make sure that everybody's having a good time. That's our goal. And to do so, 725-17 is a good show, but it's already been released, Jonathan. It's already been released, okay? It was released the coming. night after <laughs> it happened, or the night that it happened. We do want to tell you, though, before we jump into the show, we got a couple bits of business before we bring on our incredible guests to answer the difficult questions that we are tasked with answering. We do want to tell you, though, about our very, very, very good friends at Passion House Coffee. Did you know that at Osiris Media, we're powered by a few things? Music, of course. We love music. We talk a bit about music here and there, but also coffee. We are always drinking Passion House coffee, and now we have our very own blend, the Ocean of Osiris. Rolls off the tongue. Also rolls off Trey's tongue when he's singing songs like Gula Papyrus. Yeah. We want you all out there to visit PassionHouseCoffee.com to get some of this blend, as well as some of their other incredible coffee. Use the code OSIRIS. For those of you who are not looking at your screen right now, O-S-I-R-I-S for free shipping on every order. We also have, this is really exciting. This is happening live. It's been happening for the last 10, 11 days. A contest that is running all summer tour long. 
For each fish show, we will be giving away bags of the Ocean of Osiris coffee every time fish plays an ocean song. Sometimes, like last night, they say, hey, let's just play a bunch of ocean songs. We're just going to keep doing it. Just ocean song after ocean song. Every time you hear an ocean song, tag at Osiris Pod as well as Passion House Coffee, at Passion House Coffee on Twitter, and use the hashtag Ocean of Osiris. We'll select winners at random each night if they play ocean songs. And today, we have a winner. Today's winner, congratulations to Mr. Scott Weiss, who can be found on Twitter, at Scott underscore Weiss. You've won some Ocean of Osiris awesome. coffee. It's a pretty Hi, awesome Scott. thing. Good isn't job. It? Congrats. That's W I S E. W I S E. I would have said wise. Yeah. Did you have said wise? Scott Wise? Yeah. I guess he could be very wise. Scott Wise. <laughs> Congrats, Scott. Thanks. Great job. Thanks Scott. for playing. Thanks for playing. Thanks for hanging. Thank you to Passion House Coffee for being an incredible sponsor. We also want to tell all of you out there about our good friends over at Wook Plus. They have excellent content throughout Summer Tour. The lot starts up this Wednesday, about an hour or so before showtime. Good hangout with random folks throughout the fish community. Good chatter about what's happening within the world of fish. And then the After Fish After Show is live, 15 minutes post-show. Watch both of these on Twitter, at Wook Plus, as well as on YouTube. Uh, just search for Wook Plus. I will be on it this upcoming weekend. Jonathan was on it last week and Megan was on it before. It's a good hang with those dudes. Awesome, awesome guys. Um, I am, apparently. RJ, would you like yeah. to tell us about a few of our upcoming live events? I would I would like to. And we will get to our review, but but we got to tell you guys, I'm starting to get ready for for AC. Although I'll see Megan this Friday in Raleigh, and then I'm going to Meriwether too. So this this weekend is just going to be awesome. But next weekend, fish is coming to the beach. You already know that. Um, if you don't have tickets yet, go to OsirisPod.com/ac, and um, we are going to have a full weekend of free events. Um, on Saturday, we're going to be at the Anchor Rock Club from two to four p.m. We're going to do a recap of the first night. And then we're going to hear the Disco Biscuits guitarist, John Barber, play an acoustic set for us. We're also going to interview him about his music. They just put out a bunch of new music. He's a great dude, and um, that should should be a lot of fun. Um, and then on Sunday, August 7th, same place, Anchor Rock Club, we're working with the auction platform Whatnot, which is the Internet's fastest-growing collectible marketplace, to hold an auction benefiting Waterwheel Foundation. So there is a bunch of amazing stuff headed to my house right now, including posters, shirts, vinyl, hard to find memorabilia. And we're going to auction that all off while discussing fish. So it'll be like a live auction slash discussion. And this is all going to be at Anchor Rock Club, Saturday, two to four, Sunday, two to four. And thanks to our sponsors at Tonewood Brewing for helping us do this. Um, their amazing beers are going to be on tap there as they were at the Ardmore and, and many other places. But you can find out more about this by going to osirispod.com slash AC. Okay, two more. If you're going to the Alpine Valley shows or if you live in the Midwest or in Milwaukee or in that general area, Chicago, Brian, Brian's from Chicago. Um, I like Chicago. I live in Chicago. I, we can talk more about Chicago, but we'll do that another time. We are going to be hosting a special event with Riley Walker at the Cooperage 
on Thursday, August 11th, the night, the night before the Alpine Valley shows, Brian and I are going to interview Riley Walker, and then he's going to play a full set of music. It's going to be entertaining, enlightening, exciting, and um, we would like to see you there. So go to osirispod.com Milwaukee to check out tickets for that event. Lastly, Wednesday, August 31st, we're going to have Taper's Choice in Denver. Same thing, interview and a bunch of music. Brian and Jonathan are going to be interviewing Taper's Choice. And then they're going to play a set of music. And this is going to be amazing as well. OsirisPod.com slash Denver. So AC, Milwaukee, Denver. See you there. Maybe we'll see you at all of them. Maybe we'll see you at all of them. So much happening. and going to be an incredible end to summer tour. AC, Milwaukee, Denver. Very, very excited about that. Um, anything else before we bring on our incredible guests here today? I think that That's we're a ready lot. to go. That's a lot. <laughs> Hope you all were taking notes out there. Okay. You know, uh, taking notes of what ocean songs you should be listening to, taking notes on what coffee you should be buying. Let's go ahead here. We are going to bring on Marco and Derek to talk about Hartford Sunday night. Hartford Fish, guys. Hartford Fish. Marco, Derek, welcome to the pod. How are you guys doing? I'm excellent. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you, guys. Doing excellent. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Hey. So let's dive into this the only way that we know how. Marco, what shows have you seen on this overall tour? And what have kind of been your overall impressions of Fish's summer 2022 thus far? I've been to every summer show this tour except for Bangor. Um I think it's been excellent. I was um, in the pit for Mansfield, which was great because I didn't have to be on the Mansfield lawn. Um, <laughs> and then after that, um, Philly, it was my first time at the man. And then Bethel was, it pretty much proved why a music venue can be great when it's not Mansfield. I'm originally from the Massachusetts area. So that was my, that's my home <laughs> venue. And I am allowed to complain about it. Um, but it, it's been great. I think fish has been outstanding this, this tour. Um, I know that micro jamming has been a topic of discussion on this podcast before. Um, I think that they're kind of combining the micro jamming and the macro jamming where they have some tracks that jam for like 13 minutes I'm thinking of Blaze on last night and it still can get there. And then they have the jams that really get there. And I'm thinking about some of the other jams from last night. Um, I think they're firing on all cylinders. Um, I am excited to say that last night was my 50th show. Um, and my first time back to Hartford since my first show. So it, um, that's fine. Full circle. The ocean is love. And it was, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's that was awesome. cool when it works out that like those big shows happen, like those big uh, sentimental shows happen at like a very specific place. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, Derek, Derek, how about you? What have you uh, What have you seen so far this tour? We know you you were with us for the banger recap, but what else have you seen, and what have your impressions been of the tour? So I did both nights Mansfield and then Bangor and then uh, worked this week like a real true human, you know, at <laughs> home, like pretending to, to be a normal person again, waiting for, for last night. So so last night was my fourth and unfortunately final of the summer. So It's always that like 
There's that sadness that creeps on when you know oh, I'm walking sorry. into the lot for the last time. I'm walking into the show for the last time. It's the last set, all that sort of stuff. Well, especially because I, at least in my view, they seem to be on a bit of an upward tra- trajectory right now, especially after last night and uh, and and uh, Bethel too, too. Like those two shows back to back. I mean, um, I I didn't like yesterday morning leaving like as soon as we left the house we threw bethel two on so we could listen to that for for the ride to hartford and we were just like wow like part part of you is like i mean anytime i want fish to be good anytime even when i'm not there because you know it's better for everyone you know you have all this music to listen to so even when i'm not there i want it to be great but when you are listening to a show like that on the way there you're like oh man that second set last night like how are they gonna top that are they even gonna come close that type of thing but um you know like like i said i feel like they're on an upward trajectory right now so i'm i'm really excited to to you know be listening to the rest of the tour i love that yeah and that's that's definitely a good vibe to have is even when you're jumping off to know that like the band is they're playing in a manner that everybody's going to benefit and you're still going to be listening, but you have like good context for where the band was at at the time. Um, before we dive into the music that happened last night, we do have to discuss as, as you mentioned, Derek, they play this really high quality show in Bethel on the second night. I really loved the first night as well, but I thought Saturday night was on just a very, very, high high level um we need to talk about the vibe of the overall show and what it's like walking into a very different venue uh than bethel woods in a lot of cases and this segment of the show is sponsored by section 119 which megan you need to tell us about because you are rocking some section 119 threads right now i am yes i'm so excited to hear about the vibe of the show because i feel like hartford is so different than bethel it's just like two different worlds so i'm really excited to hear about this i saw so many pictures of bethel so i'm really excited to hear about the vibe last night but section 119 is awesome they're the premier apparel brand where many fans shop to represent their favorite brand in everyday life so they've got really great designs really nice quality they offer lots of stuff like all kinds of great button downs. I'm wearing like a little Grateful Dead button down today with dancing bears. They have tons of donut inspired gear too. The thing about section 119 is they really stand out from other, I think a lot of like lot shirts and because the quality is so high. This is, I'm wearing like, this is a men's shirt, but it provides two great things for me to do today. One is that I can look like one of my favorite people, Brian Brinkman, and wear a button down. And I can also have like a great cover up to throw on that doesn't look like anyone else's. So I love, I love section 119. Women should check them out too. They just launched like a whole line of women's donut inspired activewear, which I am going to be rocking on the lot this year. So look out for that. And you can use code summer 22 and you're going to get a 20% discount on your next purchase. And you're going to absolutely love them. So score 20% off your next order with code summer 2022. I'm sorry, just summer 22 summer 22 you can see it on the screen here if you're watching um i'm seeing here speaking of vibe there is already a debate in the uh comments about whether or not great woods or the meadows uh or yeah great woods or hartford's meadows uh uh traffic is worse so um marco as you are a massachusetts uh you came from Massachusetts originally. You need to settle this debate. What is worse, the traffic at Great Woods or the traffic at Hartford? Great Woods, and it's a pretty far margin apart. After after the shows um, at Mansfield, we left. We set up 
the grill again and hung out in the parking lot for about 90 minutes. And then it took us <laughs> 45 like Genius. <laughs> and it still took us 45 minutes to leave the lot. Wow. Still well played, that. though. Well played. Yeah. It's a very good, a very good move uh, outside. Um, so, Marco, sticking with you, what was kind of the vibe for the show for you at this point in time walking in? You're, you're winding down your tour. You've seen a bunch. What was it like coming into Hartford on a Sunday? It was really jovial. I think that Bethel was incredibly relaxed. Um, people were excited to be out in the woods. The view was beautiful. Um, Bethel was really calm and really just people there to have a good time. I think that for my impression, walking into Hartford, people were really excited. It was more of a party atmosphere. Um, even looking across the lawn, which is where I was throughout the show, um, more people with blinking lights, more people with glow sticks. And it seemed more like a party than had the nights previous. We got that remark the first night that we talked about Bethel, that like Philly felt like a party and then showing up in in uh, Bethel, which strangely, you know, it's not a midweek vibe. It's a, it's a Friday night show. It felt a lot more a lot past, like very pastoral. There were families there. It was like a very kind of laid back chill experience. Uh, Derek, did you have a similar experience going from uh, mm-hmm. Bethel to Hartford where it kind of changed the dynamic? Well, I, uh, the only time I've been to Bethel was, um, in, I think 2009 for Dave Matthews band. So I haven't been there in quite a long time, but I remember it being like really cool and feeling like really nestled into the, the woods as opposed to, you know, Hartford where it's like, you know, you're literally just in the city and all of a sudden there's an amphitheater right there. Um, but I will agree with Marco in that, uh, I think, the traffic is so much worse on Mansfield. It is hell getting out of there. I've been to so many. I mean, before they they you know started doing shows in Bangor and like having that amphitheater uh, there, like Mansfield was technically like my home venue, and it took me five hours to drive from my hometown to get there. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I had a really cool you know like Sunday, uh, you know, never miss a Sunday show type of vibe. Uh, I thought it was, um, it was a lot of fun. We didn't hang, hang much in the lot. Um, we did in, in Bangor and both nights, uh, Mansfield, but we kind of had a late start from Portland, uh, yesterday and I wanted to, uh, hit Treehouse Brewing in, in, uh, Charlton Mass on the way, um, because that place is so far out of the way, uh, for, for, you know, what we normally do. So we're like, oh, it's totally. just a little out of the way to go to Hartford. So we stocked up you know, on cans there and got to Hartford and, you know, we, we sat out our car and like had a drink and then took one into just to walk the lot a little bit before we went in. But it seemed like people were really excited. And as soon as we got in and I, I was on the lawn also, um, you know, as everybody in our section was, was really excited. We met up with a couple friends uh, there and it was, had a spot directly in the center, like, just a few rows of people back from the walkway. So it was like the nice. perfect location. I've only been to Hartford once. I, remember, I sat on the lawn both times. And I, it's a big venue, but I remember really liking the lawn. It kind of slopes nicely. The sound is pretty good up there. You didn't feel like you were removed from the show the way that you do at like SPAC or something like that, where like you feel like there's a show happening and then you're out here. It actually like feels like you're a part of it. Really nice way. And I'll, I'll add to that in saying that I think Hartford is great because the roof of the pavilion is super, super high. Yeah. So if you could be in the back of the lawn and you, you can see the top of the light rig, um, 
where I, Mansfield has a shorter roof, even the man, although I give the man a huge pass because it was designed acoustically for its intended sure. purpose. Um, the, I was at the front of the lawn at the man and I could see maybe the bottom of the lights when he brought them down quite low, but the, the Hartford um, roof is so tall. You can, you can really see the whole performance, even the whole light rig. I love that. Yeah. It's really, really nice about that. Um, RJ turning to you really quick before we jump into the music. Um, you and I have been like ships passing the night covering this tour. I want to get your thoughts on we're two weeks in, what do you think of the overall, like, what is your overall impression of where the band is at at this point in time and what has stood out to you? Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, also, I just want to say I was at, um, a, a friend's house in Connecticut on Saturday and, um, I was wearing the same shirt Megan's wearing and from section 119. And it's such a great thing for a pool or beach because you can like, I don't know. I mostly wear t-shirts, you know, I'm not a Brian Brinkman dresser, um, but for not like everyone going can to, be, you know, I mean, yeah, everyone can can't be. look as sharp as Brian. <laughs> going to the it's pool or the Bauer, beach. It's not me. It's so great. Also at that party, I was also drinking treehouse beers from a friend who brought them up from Massachusetts. And so, I just want to tell you guys both those things. Um, I was, I, I think we talked on the, on a recap of the spring tour. I was like, I was, I was a little underwhelmed with the spring tour. I found it to be like a little bit. Um, I just couldn't really like wrap my head around it. The the last show, you know, was, was amazing. Um, and there were great moments, but it was sort of, I was sort of underwhelmed and not sure where the sound was going. I think the sound didn't change that much between, Mexico and, and spring, not that it has to change, but it felt like there wasn't a lot of evolution, but I mean, Bethel won the, one of the most unique first sets I've ever listened to. I mean, if I hadn't known better, I'd be like, those guys ate like a bunch of mushrooms before the show, you know, like they <laughs> just like taking, taking Golgi, mm -hmm. taking sample into these completely new places outside of the song structure in four minutes each, you know, just like, it's just wild. I mean, to me, that's like really indicative of how much this this has changed. So mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. I it, I was at the man shows and, you know, even when they played like when they played, I didn't know. And Trey was on the drums and he kept hitting Fishman's like samples and like cracking up. You know, they're having so much fun. Um, the other night they were trying to get through Undermine and Trey like couldn't stop laughing. You know, they're like they're just they're having a good time. And um, it's just amazing how quickly they're getting to these jam spaces even the that last night too you know um like breath and burning and final hurrah like both of those like they were they're not just getting through the song they're they're exploring quickly and um i just think it's great i also think like there's there's more sp spacey dark jams you know which i'm sure we'll talk mm -hmm. more about to me like the the kind of major key bliss jam is like a safe place to take these jams and when they're not going in those places you know that they're they're pushing so that's that's Trey. I think you know. Obviously, Fishman has been insane, but I think when when they keep pushing in those kind of different sound spaces, I don't know. That to me means that there's like there's confidence. There's like no hesitation at all. They're just pushing quickly into wherever Trey wants to take the the sound with Fishman, like never stopping playing no matter what. I mean, it's it's insane. So I, I don't know. I think this is I think this has been amazing. Re relentless is what I said earlier today. It just doesn't, none of these shows have like stopped, you know? I mean, at the man, I think there were two ballads over two nights, basically, you know? I mean, no, the energy has been incredible. Yeah. yeah so. You're not getting a lot of like ballad 
and then they jam again and then another ballad. Like there's one break mm-hmm. in pretty much all of these sets and then everything else, even when they're not experimenting and like we'll get into it, the latter part of the second set last night, number line, character zero, those are just high energy, but it's a lot of energy for the band to play after spending so much time and effort in the early part of the set really jamming. Um, well, let's get into it. Set one last night. We got cars, trucks, buses, breath and burning, final hurrah, free Yarmouth road, plasma into Sigma Oasis, limb by limb and sand. Um, Derek, starting with you, what was your big highlight of set one and what were your overall impressions of the set as a whole? I mean, I think uh, there's nothing that you can say other than Sigma Oasis. Like that was, (laughs) that was a spectacular, like, you know, capital F, capital S, capital J, first set jam, you know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, like you were, like RJ was saying earlier about, you know, taking taking these songs and maybe, you know, in in, uh, touching on the micro jams thing, like even stuff like Breath and Burning and Yarmouth Road and stuff had a, a little bit extra to it. And those aren't typically songs that I'm, you know, like, jumping up and down here, you know, hearing when they start playing them. Um, and like, there was a ton of energy to, you know, I, there were some issues that are not issues and not even complaints really, because the, the second set really, um, made up for it, I guess. But, um, you know, like some of the, the set list calls, like I love sand. It's one of my favorite fish songs, but, I've seen it so many times as the high energy set closer that when they mm. get into it, I'm almost disappointed. Cause I, especially after the, the deer Creek one, uh, spring tour, like I want the nice big, like second set opener, 20 minutes saying like, let's go. But, um, you know, like last night it was nine minutes, but Trey shredded yeah. the hell out of it. Like, and you know, when it has that much energy, like, you know, you can't go wrong with the, the a set closer like that and um you know yarmouth road like i said even that had extra to it and i'll be real I'm, i was kind of bummed about that call because um my wife and i love mull like since they debuted it last year we love that song that's our our favorite you know mike song since you know since the beginning of 3.0 probably and they've done some really cool stuff with that um and there's one i think it was at deer creek on the spring tour that really seemed like it was, was they just good. ran out of gas yeah they just ran out of uh, out of ideas and they didn't try to force anything so uh, we were like oh you know summer tour is prime and the fact that they haven't played it yet is kind of wild to me but um you know everything seemed to have a little extra and then that sigma was just fishman is a machine that was that was so good yeah you know it's interesting just a quick point about yarmouth road because i agree with you in full on on mole like that song sounds primed to really go places that a lot of mike songs just haven't gone in the 3.0 era but um this was the second biggest gap between the last yarmouth road it was played at dick's 2021 last year and it's kind of a version that's been overlooked. It had similar vibes to last night where it just felt like they were figuring out what are the edges of this song? Can we take this a little bit further? And it would be very cool to hear and shine a spotlight on Mike from a songwriting and from a jamming standpoint, if both that and mole were taken for kind of a second set ride, I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot to explore there. Um, Marco turning to you, I, I was going to joke before we jumped into this segment that, uh, 
can anyone raise their hand if their uh, their highlight was anything other than Sigma Oasis? So I'm, I'm guessing we're all going there, number one. So if you have a different one, by all means, but uh, we can all still gush about Sigma Oasis because that was just that was unbelievable. But what was kind of your big takeaway from the set? Um, I think my highlight would have to be Sigma Oasis. So I'll just get that out of the way. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> I was with a friend all weekend. Um, in our group, who was confident, calling it all day for hours and hours and hours that cars, trucks, and buses was going to open night two at Bethel. And he was shouting it from the rooftops. So as soon as they opened, and he was not there last night, he missed the Hartford show. So as soon as that opened, texts were flying and everybody was razzing him for it. Um, so that was a highlight for me Love as well. Love I mean, just um, one day off. It's not bad. He still yeah, had he the vibe, right? Yeah, but he missed it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I do want to say, I think that the um, Breath and Burning, the, um, Yarmouth Road, maybe not the most exciting. They, they did start pushing them. Um, maybe not the most exciting, but I think there's something to be said for these songs that aren't played too often and getting enjoyment out of that. Um, if, if they played Yarmouth Road every other show or maybe once a run, I'd probably get pretty sick of it and would complain about it, but these songs that aren't played that often are that are still part of the, the uh, fish repertoire. I don't think it detracts from a set um, when you get to see them live. And I haven't seen breath and burning since pre COVID. I don't, I think mm. they've only played it once or, or maybe not. No, they, I don't think they've played breath and burning since before COVID. And I think they've only played Yarmouth road once or twice. So I think there's something to be said for that. I think that there's value in them mixing up the set lists and reaching back into the bag for something that, might be less exciting, but something they haven't done yet in a while. I agree with that. I'm looking at it. It's the first since Mexico 2020, 59 show gap. It's, I was kind of wondering when it was going to reappear. And I was thinking about the point you're making, like there's a lot of chatter around the quality of the set list, but it is interesting. If you go through, I, I took notes on this this morning, final hurrah only been played 15 times. Breath and Burning, only 17 times. Yarmouth Road, 32 times. Plasma, 28. Sigma, 18. And then if you get into the second set, Wave of Hope, it's only been played seven times. And even a song like A Song I Heard the Ocean Sing, written 18 years ago, has only 43 total performances. You've got a lot of songs that are like, I think that this is the fault of, in a good way, the amount of songs that have entered the fish canon in the last 10 years that put us in a position where like a lot of new songs that in the 1990s would get played every two or three shows as the band is trying to figure out how does this fit into our rotation a song like breath and burning can either be a standard four minute song or can be like last night where it gets stretched to eight nine ten minutes i think there's been a 14 minute version before as well like it's had hints of exploration but you only hear it so often because the band is just constantly saying, Hey, here's five new songs. We've got to play this tour. Hey, here's a whole new album that we just decided to write that we're not going to record and release because we're just constantly writing music. It's kind of a, a crazy experience right now. Um, Megan and RJ, what were your guys highlights and takeaway from set one? Yeah, this is the kind of show that I'm okay that they play two nights before I'm going to see them for the first time. Um, and that's just because I'm a selfish fan and this was a great show. <laughs> You're not the only one. Yeah. These, this whole run has just been banger after banger. Like I feel like this run has been incredible. Like every night they come off the stage and I'm like, what could they possibly do better the next night? And then they change it up, whether it's like 
jamming songs they haven't jammed before, playing an epic big jam, doing some, you know, tweezer fest. Like they're constantly been reinventing new things. And at some point they had to take a breath. And I feel like last night was the breath. And I feel like everything you guys are saying about them, choosing new songs to bring in is is awesome. And I think that's why they continue to surprise us. But I think that sometimes that affects the flow of the set. And I felt like set one especially had a little bit of inconsistency and in flow. Um, I thought the back half of the set was much better, like Sigma, Limb by Limb, Sand. I felt like that was when they started to get a flow and, and play really well. And I mean, obviously the Sigma was melodic space funk, which is like, always want that. Yes, please. It's a great peak. Nice Limb by Limb. You know, I think the Sand Groove, like you were saying, Derek, it's one of my favorite songs too, because they can always find just like such a sick groove in it. And and they did, even though it wasn't that long. Um, but yeah, I thought this back half of the set was much stronger. Roger, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like the taking a, like the breath and burning, I sort of said this earlier, but the breath and burning being close to 10 minutes and it was just like they, they got outside of that particular song. I guess there's this thing that, you know, people talk about like the jam, this applies more to the second set, but you know, look at the set list and you're like, uh, I don't know. Those songs look boring. I mean, if you're there for the jams, there are jams in these songs. And if you're there for the songs, then I guess you like the song. So I guess I'm just confused why anyone would be unhappy, you know? Um, like I have a friend who, you know, a 23 minute wave of hope is like, I don't like that song. It's not about the song. There's yeah, no, it has nothing yeah. to do with the song. The song is like three minutes and then there's 20 minutes yeah. of jamming. So like, I just don't, I just, whatever, they can jam any song. It doesn't, the song is just like a vehicle for it. And I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't, um, I, I don't, I don't understand it still. I know we've talked it's, about this a lot. It's interesting. <laughs> Cause like the only classic fish song of this tour to produce, like a, what I would think is like one of the best jams of the year is the down with disease from banger. Aside from that, it's Set Your Soul Free from Bethel, which a lot of people take issue with that song. Uh, it's A Wave of Hope from Last Night in Hartford. Recent examples of Everything's Right, like a lot of people take issue with the lyrics to that song. A lot of people take issue with Soul Planet. These are all songs that like the band is really, f to your point, RJ, number one, Ruby Waves could be thrown in this category as well. There's songs that take three minutes and then the band is gone. Like there's zero hint of these songs until maybe a point where Trey says, okay, let's bring it back to the chorus 24, 25 minutes later. But like overall, they're the songs that seem to be inspiring where the band is going. And also you don't have to wade through six, seven, 10 minutes of song before you get to the jamming. It's here's a sample. Here's where we're, we're inspired. Here's where we're feeling right now. And let's keep going. Derek, I see you nodding. Are, are, do you have thoughts on that? And like, what, what, what are your, what's your take on that? Oh yeah. I have, have many thoughts on that, but, but to, Go for off, me, man. it's like, <laughs> you know, when you, so I, of course I live in Portland. So especially when they're on the West coast, you know, I'll go to bed at a normal time and wake up. And the first thing I do the next morning is check live fish. And had I not gone to last night, but woke up in the morning and checked 
the track times on my fish and saw, you know, an 18 minute Sigma in the first set, second set opening with a 23 minute wave of hope followed by a 19 minute uh, song. I heard the ocean sing followed by a 13 minute blaze on. I would be like, okay, let's go. You know, this is, this is going to be, be my day is just listening to this, you know, a couple of times probably. Uh, and to me, the fact that they can introduce all these new songs and then, um, just throw them into the the slots that, like you said, down with disease and, um, you know, now chalk dust and stuff like that occupy where it's like this song can be the prime second set opener and we're going to jam the hell out of it. And, you know, seeing like Sigma develop too, it was like, I, I was at the, the, Dick's one last year, the, the first yeah. time they yeah. jammed it. And I was like, finally, okay, this is awesome. And now seeing that like develop into an actual jam vehicle is so cool. And then like all of a sudden, you know, wave of hope, uh, they, they played that really good one on the spring tour. And it was like, okay, you know, this song could be something. And then um, they played it in Mansfield and it was kind of standard. So I was like, okay, you know, wonder if that was like a one-time thing or maybe not like too often then for them to open the second set last night like right from the get-go i was like okay they're probably going to take this out there and well they definitely took it out there but you know for me it's it doesn't matter what the song is because like you said especially with a lot of those um sorry if you can hear my cat hollering at me she's uh really needy and uh is very excited that we're home now but (laughs) (laughs) um it, uh, you know, all these new, newer songs like the soul songs and Ruby waves and wave of hope. It's like a couple minutes. And I mean, I, for the most part, like those songs anyways, like as a song, especially Ruby waves. I think that's a great, great song. Um, but for them to like, you know, it's like we can play this. It just takes a couple verses and then we're going to be off. And then it can, like you said, they could go back into the end of it eventually, or they could just, you know, go to space and, and, you know, never come back and, and leave the song unfinished. And it's really cool that it's just like those, you know, intro verse, chorus, jam, whatever type of songs, rather than something where it's like, Oh, we have this jam built into the middle of the song. So we're going to have to work our way to it or something like that. Agree completely with all of that. And I think, you know, the, my biggest takeaway from set one last night was, kind of what we're all saying. It almost doesn't matter what they're playing right now. I don't really think about the song selection because you hear one moment and the Sigma Oasis was a perfect example. It's a great version of the song proper. And then you just heard Paige like lean into his synthesizers and Trey heard it immediately, went to a completely different key, started muting his strings. Fishman started changing and on a dime, they're in a totally different musical space for the next 15 minutes. And that can really happen in any song. We saw it at Bethel with Golgi. We saw it at Bethel with Undermind to have it happen with Sigma. And we'll get to it here in the second set. Um, just it's really special stuff that's happening right now. And almost doesn't matter what song they start with. Um, the only other point I just want to make about this first set is the final hurrah has really just like in only 15 performances. And I was thinking about it during this, during the performance last night. This is the type of song that 25 years ago would have taken the band having be in their consistent rotation to just get playing a type one version as tight and as fascinating as it is. And they've played it across four years, 15 times. And there's a moment in that solo where they're just kind of building it up. And it just sounds like a song that's been in the catalog for years. And I I, I loved that part of the set um, outside of the Sigma Oasis, which I would have voted for as well. Um, 
But before we dive into our second set conversation, which there's a lot to dive into in the second set, we do need to take that brief pause, put our guitars on the rack, wave to the crowd, spot out a couple people that we know from college. Hey, you came back. Thanks so much. Thanks for hanging. We need to tell you all about our good friends at Sunset Lake CBD, who allow us the ability to take a breather, take a load off, kick back over set break, um, maybe put your child down who's going through an 18-month sleep regression. You know, whatever you you do during set break, whatever your routine is, Sunset Lake's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or the young fish fan or reverse. You could be a young deadhead, all the same. Anyone who is searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia and the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. I enjoyed some Hawaiian Haze last night. It was very, very nice. It kept my mellow as I went into the second set here. And I would encourage you all to check them out at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. So Derek, starting with you, what is your typical set break routine and what did you do last night during set break? Well, it kind of depends. Like sometimes, like like last night was one of those ones where it's like, you know, they, they play this great jam deep in the second set and you just need a few minutes to just sort of like come down. It was the same thing with the, uh, the Dick's Carini last year where it was like that was the, the set closer and it's like you, you kind of have to like, okay, the adrenaline's running and you just kind of have to take a minute to just, you know, couple of deep breaths so it was um you know just going to restock on drinks and like just take a little seat in our nice little spot on the lawn and just be like wow that was a really great sigma oasis huh <laughs> so our uh, our little crew that's that's what we we uh discussed and i actually one of my friends um happened to to see where we were and he ran and, and stopped by and said hi just because he saw us from the walkway so that was pretty cool so it was just kind of like a stop and gather your thoughts type of set right i love that i love that marco how about you what is your typical routine and what did you do last night my typical routine is to um usually go find a bathroom if needed i i think somebody said this on one of the bethel podcasts i'm a strict um Everything possible, no bathroom breaks during the show. Uh, there are no peace songs to me um, <laughs> because I'm at a concert that I paid money to go see. So I, uh, I'll i do that. And last night was extra celebratory. Um, it was with the 50th show. So I had friends coming down or people who knew that um, there's somebody who's really close to me on the lawn by chance. And I feel like this happens at every show. I live in... Um, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey now, so I get to as many of the MSG shows as I can. And I feel every time at MSG, I run into this friend of mine. I ended up in the same row as him at an MSG show in 2020 um, by chance and 2019, excuse me. And yesterday he was about 15 feet behind me on the lawn. So I got to connect with him and connecting with friends um, seems to be what I like to do the most because there's no music being played and I get to, to explore the venue and talk to some people. 
I love that. Yeah, the uh, reunions at set break, and I am uh, I, I try to I try to maintain throughout the entire show. Um, I, I did admit to uh, I, I will I will run to the bitch um, when it happens, but um, I uh, I'm right there with you in terms of like I paid money for this. I want to stay in my seat. That's how I view conversation. If I have like a friend in the middle of a set trying to have a conversation, I'm like, hey, we're we're here at this concert. Let's talk at set break. So it sounds like you had that reunion then. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't have that conversation during a movie. This is it. This is it. Thank you. I appreciate this. I always see people walking <laughs> on. I'm like, where are you going? There's a concert happening right now. What's going on right now? Um, <laughs> so once again, everyone go check out sunsetlakecbd.com. Use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all of their products. Megan, I know that you are short on time with us for the recap. So I do want to give you a chance as we jump into set two here Tell us, kick us off. What was your highlight? What are your impressions of the second set? I thought the first half of the second set was awesome. Obviously, this wave of hope, super melodic jam. I love how they've been going out to these like dark spaces, but then finding melody there. I feel like that's just been kind of the vibe of this summer and something I've been so impressed with. And it's cool because I'm always someone who likes like funkier or blissier jams, but it's been really cool to kind of hear where they're going with this this darker tone and, and find melody there still super cool. I also thought the song I heard the ocean sing was beautiful. I thought it ended in like a really cool like blues riff, which I really liked. And I thought the blaze on was great too. Um, the rest of the set was, you know, just well-played fish. Like how can you complain about that? Um, but I thought the first half of the sets felt more inspired. Would you like me to explain how you can complain about that? Or are you just asking rhetorically? <laughs> Uh, Derek, tell us what was, what was kind of your impression of the second set last night? Well, I thought, I thought, um, as a whole, the jamming was really inspired last night and you had, you know, four different songs that were like really taken out in Sigma and in the first three songs of the second set. And they all like went to different places and, you know, that's the, the type of stuff that I really like where, um, it's not quite as like thematic uh, over the course of like segueing songs or whatever but um wave of hope i thought was really awesome um when when they got into the like bed of sound like groove part and just trey you know uh, on top of it just uh, doing a lot of experimenting not so much like cording or, or soloing or anything like that it's kind it's kind of like all those like 99 and 2000 jams that i love where it's mm. like you know, just a groove machine. Um, I really dug that in the, the, the re-entry into the end of the song it was really smooth compared to, you know, sometimes it's, it's not quite, uh, as smooth. Um, but I, I thought I was going to jump 15 feet in the air at that entry into a song. I heard the ocean sing, like not even a, like I, I've always loved that song. I think that's the last night was only the second time I've seen it. And I just thought the placement of that was outstanding. Like they, you know, ring out that last quarter wave of hope and Fishman kicks into the drums. And I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, and 
and and for for that jam too, like it really seemed like it was going to fizzle out like ten and a half minutes in, and uh, Fishman, you know, had this beat that he was playing like for a few minutes straight, like the same beat in it. Everybody kind of started to fade away a little bit, and I think Paige came in with like a synth riff or something like that, and then. Uh, Trey must have found some inspiration on that because he hopped right back onto it and then they built it back up to that like uh, sort of blissy uh, peak and, and that was cool and then um, Blaze On uh, I do have to say that um, uh, my wife going into last night's show was like I don't want to hear everything's right and I don't want to hear Blaze On because we seem to get them every single run um, and uh, shout out to David Steinberg. I checked my uh, Zizix stats and uh, Blazon is indeed like that and Fuego are our most overplayed songs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, we, we see them quite a lot. And um, Blazon, I, she did, I get, did get her to admit this morning. Okay. Last night's Blazon was really good. The last like two minutes of that, when it got really, um, sort of soundscapey again and then uh mike came in um with like some some throbbing bass there at the end and i was really hoping they were going to take off on that and um you know it just sort of uh dissolved so that was kind of a bummer but it was still cool that they were able to in a relatively short period of time get from like the typical you know uh laid back blaze on start um of the jam to like that space um so, you know, just in those three songs alone to start the set, they went to a whole lot of different places and it was really cool to be there and, and see. And like Megan said, you know, the second half was just, um, you know, some nice, well-played uh, uh, fish, you know, some shredding on uh, on um, uh, backwards on the number line in character zero, of course, you know, a little bit of strutting around the stage, you know, you always love to see that. And I mean, Trey, you can, tell how much he loves playing backwards down the number line i think what is it you say rj it's like sorry your favorite band's guitarist is playing his favorite song or something like that so i always <laughs> close, yeah. think yeah i always think of that in the back of my head anytime i see backwards down the number line because we that's another song we we catch uh quite a bit so you know and i've seen them play a few good versions of that and i thought last night you know was pretty high energy in the ending but you know after a first, second set that begins like that plus a big jam in the first set it's like i don't care what the rest of the show really is and for it to be some high energy you know set closing stuff great and then a great encore awesome you know like i was i was over the moon with the second set and encore last night so Thank you for all that. That's, that's, there's so much, so much good uh, context and so many good thoughts in there. Two things I wanted to kind of pluck out. One is it seemed like the first two shows of tour, Great Woods. And then I would say as well, the first night of the man with the tweezer fest, it seemed like they were leaning into like that, that thematic flow of a set where there weren't really long jams. There were a lot of like, here's, I guess you could call it a micro jam. We're going to jam for like five, six minutes. Once we hop on a theme that takes us into another song, we'll play that. That will lead to a jam, which will lead to another song. And it was really cool. But then it feels as well. There's this like other dynamic at play. It started, it seems like with the banger down with disease, but it continued this past weekend and the night, the second night of Bethel. And then last night where they're really pushing jams out. And it seems like they really can do no wrong. Like, there's 
you're either going to get a set of like six or seven kind of jammed out songs that still lead to a lot of lingering creativity and a a set that feels very complete from a flow standpoint, or you're going to get a set like last night where you're going to have segments of deep, deep improv and then kind of like, okay, just, you know, classic fish. I'm curious, Marco, like, do you hear that? And do you have a preference either way since you've seen a bunch of shows this summer? I want to start by saying I absolutely hear that. It's something I've been thinking about a lot Um, to one of your first points about them. Um, just kind of taking it, taking um, the the set list in a way that they just find it um, from Mansfield. They just kind of happened upon the Weekapog groove riff from the way I hear it. And then Weekapog was almost getting dark and it was getting so dark that they kind of just happened upon saw it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they weren't saw it again. And it, it feels like they're willing to, um, to, to jump on the idea really quickly and I think that exact same mindset is doing um, just as much work on the deep, deep jamming. Um, I think I hear this year far more than I have in a long time um, than taking a single musical idea, like a single musical motif, and then just sitting on that for a while. Derek, you brought it up where it's kind of representative of old or late, late 90s jamming where it's really groove based and you just sit in the groove. Um, totally. But sometimes I, I feel like a lot of the time in recent years, um, you'd have this jam that's that's going really well and starts to modulate, and then Trey ends up on this little um, this little lick, and he sits on it until the rest of the band jumps in on the same lick, and then he takes it off and jams, and, or and just solos, um, and then that would happen, and then find the next list lick, the rest of the band jumps in, and then Trey jumps out, and. This year, I'm really, really hearing Trey finding that lick. The rest of the band jumps in, and then Trey keeps playing that lick. And they keep it going for another five minutes with some variation. And I heard it so distinctly last night during a song I heard the ocean sing. A song I adore. I don't think I've heard that since um, the New Year's run in 17. Wow. uh, With the the big boat. Um, I thought, oh, man, I think that song is so interesting. Um, Totally. Just the song portion. And then I was certain that I heard them playing um, Genesis at the end of that. I was certain I heard that's all by Genesis. Um, You're not the only person. I got that text from three or four other people during, during was, that, that jam. And I was singing it to my friends and they heard it too. And I was positive and I, um, at least dot, dot net doesn't think so, but um, like they hit that riff, that, um, that riff for uh, that's all. And they just, they just turned that into something for a long time without too much deviation. And I really, really like this style of jamming. Um, I've said for years, when people ask, what do you want to see tonight? I'll say patient, patient fish. I don't care what the song. I want to see them be patient with this. And um, in the big jams, I've heard them with a lot of patience. Um, and then sometimes that patience turns into them just wandering into a song by accident. And I, I like that too. Um yeah. But I think last night was a good, the jams were patient jams and I was really, really here for it. What you're talking about, the the riff that Trey seems to be finding or riffs that he seems to be finding that then leads to further jamming. I, I, I felt like the Haley's Comet from night one at the man was a perfect example. Like he just, he didn't, he wasn't like playing chords. He was just, mm-hmm. how do I figure out a riff? And then Paige can kind of take off of this and Mike can take off this. We can go. RJ, returning to something that you and I have been talking a lot about, I feel like 
one thing that was missing in the early 2022 shows, basically Mexico through the end of the spring tour was an introduction of a new way for the band to jam. There were a lot of jams that felt like they were going to, you know, a percussive place. Trey would flip on the um, synthesizer pedal page would move over to the synths, and then somehow they'd move into like a blissful type jamming. It seems to me like one of the things that's changing are these riffs that Trey's inserting. That's adding a lot of color to the jamming. Do you hear that as well? Did you hear that in last night's show? Or are you hearing anything different? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the most I've ever talked about breath and burning, but I think the jam last night had this like, like four minutes into it, Trey has this little like run that he's done a few times, a couple times at the man. And, and last night it's like a reverb delay, but, he, but he's playing it quickly over and over. And that just like, because it, it, it keeps the pace with Fishman's tempo. And it's like, as opposed to like the shredding Trey keeping up with Fishman's tempo, it's like the effects are pushing it more quickly and i heard that in sigma oasis too like there's seven minutes into it i mean fishman is just just so amazing right now and, and always but they just like seven minutes into it they start pushing the tempo like really hard and i feel like the effects like trey's using the effects to to change tempos as opposed to kind of like slow things down or push them into like a spacier slower place that, that that's what it sounds like to me also these things are happening to me, I mean, maybe I'm just getting older in the past few months, but everything's happening so fast, you know, like the, like the down with disease from Bangor that I, I've listened to it a bunch of times and it's still, it goes by really fast. There's like so much going on and I can't like, I can't even really like process it as it's happening. I feel like some of these gems from last night, like that, the blaze on was only 13 minutes, like you guys were saying, but it, it gets into like. I don't know. They're just generating ideas pretty quickly. And I think there's like a lot of patience, but also no hesitation, which it seems like that's, um, that's like the combo that I see. That's really, really making it work. That like duel of patience and no hesitation seems to, regardless the style really like lead to a, a high quality tour. Um, I think like, you know, for me, tours that I don't typically revisit are like summer 2014 or summer 2016 in terms of the the last couple of, uh, basically since the 09 return. And part of the reason I don't really return to them is there doesn't seem to be a ton of patience. There's a lot of like rush, like, okay, we got to get to either the next song because there's like dead space or they th- someone throws out an idea and it doesn't really connect with the other band members. It feels like since they came back in Arkansas last year, they're just slowly evolving where let's throw a new thing in and technologically it's working and musically it's working. And to me, I don't know if it peaked last night, but like everything that they've been building towards throughout this tour felt like it reached a new level in that first hour of the second set. Like I went back and listened to wave of hope song. I heard the ocean sing and blaze on this morning. And I felt like I was listening pretty closely last night and I was hearing totally new things. And it feels like, I had the same experience going back to the tweezer from um, the final night in Alabama, uh, 529, one of my favorite jams from that run. I feel like in the best jams of this year, you hear something in one moment and then you revisit it. And like you're saying about the down with disease, you hear all new ideas and it's just like, it gives you the reason to like keep revisiting these jams in the way that I would a fall 97 jam or a December 95 jam where it just like the more you put in, the more it gives back to you. I, I think you brought up a, 
a lot of really good points. I think the patience um, is something that allows them to expand on ideas quite a bit. Um, without that patience, you wouldn't have had anything like those first two jams of last night. Um, and on the topic of patience, I think um, I, I read a really interesting comment somewhere on in, on the internet over the last few days, which is they said, I'm really happy to see that the wingsuit jamming is expanding to other songs. And to that, I interpret to being where it's super quiet, really ambient. The rest of the band isn't doing anything too um, aggressive, but Trey is playing aggressively mm. over that backing. Um, and a lot of the time, the band will bring it into the spacey area and then that spacey area becomes ambient space. And then Trey just tears into it at the appropriate time, but it gives this new level to the dark jamming, which um, is, I think, most people's favorite or a lot of people's favorite, um, but that dark jamming has this tendency to get kind of hyper aggro in a way. I'm thinking of Deer Creek last year uh, during the simple, um, mm -hmm. and it's just relentless and over and over and over again. But when you can get into this dark minor key space, it's really quiet, and then uh, Trey just completely tears a hole into it, um, and they sit in that period for a while without moving into a different, without maybe the rest of the band matching his energy. Um, it can be. It, it's just a different. It's different. It's really interesting, and it allows for more jams like we see in this tour. I feel like a lot yeah. of what you're talking about that was in the blaze on last night, and I, sure. I think that's yeah. going to probably be overshadowed of this entire night. But that was just a fascinating jam that took a ton of patience and was very quiet at times. I think these shows keep getting better. I mean, I think it's like I think every there there are different you know flavors of these shows, but you know the the tour is is getting better at day by day i think um and that I you know some old man shows and i'll see more this weekend but i don't know it just feels like it's getting better you can like say you know i'm sure we could find say that one of the early shows is better than than last night but the, the cohesiveness of the playing seems to be getting better and better yeah i i agree with that 100 percent. and i think it's i can't remember if you all uh touched on it during uh the man or um bethel wood shows but um, the video that Mike posted the other day about how he was talking about at soundcheck, um, they were um, messing around with using different hand signal signals to um, uh, signify like different um, like chord changes or uh, root notes or whatever. I'm not really a, a musician, so I can't really go into the, like the music theory stuff, but it, but it makes sense. Like, you know, uh, if you were just jamming and you moved to a certain chord that you would think it would be a specific, you know, would have a specific like note structure to it. And by doing the yeah. hand signals, you know, you would modulate that a little bit and it would allow them to um, smoothly go to different places that they might not, um, you know, normally without using that. And Mike just talking about in soundcheck, them messing with that. Cause it's something that Trey uses with uh, tabs. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that makes its way really to the stage, um, you know, more than just the Trey, like, <laughs> you know, keep going. Um, so uh, it, it'll be cool to see as the tour progresses, if that's something that they start bringing in and it'd be really cool to see. I did not see Mike's video on that. Um, but last night I was, I saw at one point it was at the top of a wave of hope and you could see Trey doing that. Um, he's holding a specific chord and he looks at the band member and indicates this chord. Um, and I, I noticed it and I turned to my friend and I said, 
a wave of hope is jamming hard tonight. And <laughs> that's all. I was like, they, like awesome. they're 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 doing something with this, and um, it's interesting because uh, I I hadn't seen Mike's video, Derek, but uh, that's kind of fun affirmation on both sides that they're putting this into practice. Yeah, it's the whatever the communication is, it just like continues and it grows, and they're figuring out new ways to talk to each other on stage. Trey's not going to yell at Mike anymore to stay on F. They're they're going to have hand signals that like indicate this is where we go. And there's that great gif from last year, the uh, chalk dust torture in Atlanta, where Trey points uh, to Mike and just you know does that, and okay, we're we're off. And that that always seems to signify to me what what the spirit of this era is since they came back. Uh, from the pandemic. Um, I want to ask you guys all, I, I, I kind of know where you're going with this, but I think it's important to touch on, you know, we talked about a bit in the first set about the song selection, obviously, you know, they closed down blaze on. We're about 60 minutes or so into the show at, or into the second set at this point in time. And they close out with wedge farmhouse number line character zero. My takeaway was you got everything you could have ever asked for from that first those first three songs in the second set. It's one of those sets where like, I don't care what they play now, just play music, fulfill the set. Um, none of this is going to like disappoint me. It's just, it, it, it is, you, you guys just want to keep playing music and you're not in the headspace anymore to dive in and be like creative on the spot the way that you were. I thought that they were really good versions of the wedge farmhouse number line and zero do you guys like, did you find that it took away in the moment from your enjoyment of the show that like, they're kind of just, you know, playing some rock songs to close it out? Or did you find that like everything had been good up to that point that you were cool with just kind of a standard closing to the show? Derek, I'll throw to you first. I mean, I was cool with it because that, I mean, that's pretty much the norm is even in those sets with the big jams. Um, not everything is like that uh, fourth quarter twist uh, the other night that, yeah. that, you know, that was really, really good and really surprising improv. Um, I'm also thinking of um, uh, Plasma in Chicago 2018. Um, that was another um, late uh, second set, like out of nowhere, like 14, 15 minute, really, really good exploratory jam, um, where Very it's cool. like, you know, it still has, has the power, um, to it, to, to be like, in in the end of the second set, but it's able to like get there too. So, I mean, it was nothing that I'm, I'm going to complain about. Like maybe I would have rather heard like, um, uh, like shade or frost in the, the farmhouse slot or dirt or something. But, you know, like, cause I've seen my fair share of farmhouses, but that song has, and I think we, we talked about it um, last year, Brian, but that song kind of has a new life, like the last few years, especially totally it's agree. really yeah. like delicate now in the, the way that um, they, they completely bring, bring, the volume down to almost nothing. And you just hear, you know, that really delicate tray playing, which we don't get a whole lot of uh, these days, but when, when those moments happen, it's just like where you get to just like soak in a really nice, beautiful guitar solo rather than just like, you know, the shredding or, or like a deep jam or something like that. And it, uh, those are, you know, some, some cool moments. And then of course he just laid waste to, um, 
backwards sound number line and character zero just kind of like like usual you know those songs always have really good high energy um endings for the most part and if the band is firing on on all cylinders um at that point then you know those are always good ways to to cap off a set if that is the direction they're going rather than the the end of show um improv but i think maybe the the heat might have had something to do with it too because that they played so long without stopping there that it's like okay let's um let's play some things that we know how to play really well that we can just kind of sit in here and um because i mean it was hot as hell so it's it's always a good reminder as well that they are a rock band and these are rock and roll songs and sometimes like if you're a rock band and you can play guitar the way that Trey does it's really fun to just play like backwards on the number line is not a complicated song it's also a very sentimental song in terms of like his life and where he's at and where the band is at and like sometimes it's got to just be a lot of fun for them to just like play a song like that play a song like zero and just you know rock out on stage with your good buddies what what, what are your thoughts Marco? I mimic almost all of that. Um, I am a big supporter of a beloved, like set one song in the middle of set two, the wedge. Mm. I did not expect. I liked, I, I liked that call a lot. It was really fun. Nobody doesn't like the wedge and it's a little yeah. low energy compared to what they had been playing, but it's also not low energy and it's a lot of fun. Um, and if that had been the wedge or if, I mean, I'm sorry, if that had been something like NICU or something like that, I would have been just as happy because just because it's the middle of the second set doesn't mean I don't love the wedge. Um, yeah. That's a great call. That's a great point, Marco. Like, I don't think of it that way sometimes, but yeah, that, that that's spot on. Th- yeah, thank you. A set one standard song in the middle of set two kind of throws you off in a, in like a way that can, when it's like the right pick, it can feel really nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the wedge and then farmhouse might've been a little too low energy, two songs in a row, but I also really like farmhouse. I, I echo everything Derek said about the appeal of it now. Um, and then number line and zero are standards, but they're high energy and I, I didn't mind seeing them. And I think one great piece of perspective is I took a friend to his first show at the man he, or he'd never seen any fish show ever. And at the end of the day, I asked him what he thought and he really loved it. And his biggest takeaway was how much he loved walls of the cave, a song that I normally grown a little bit about because i've seen that close a second set about a hundred times um and it's like okay cool walls of caves to close this out but he at the end of the the tweezer fest show with isabella in the middle of that he was like walls of the cave was was unbelievable and i'm like you know what maybe i just see this band so much that a a character zero is not going to excite me anymore but that is such a it's such a good performance it was so much fun and um yeah I see the complaint. I see why you would have preferred something else here, but you're right. It's they're still a rock band and they, they really play that well. Yeah. One of my favorite memories of seeing fish is taking a buddy similar to you, his first fish show. And it was, it was an okay show. Like I, I had, I had a good time. It wasn't the best show I've ever been to, but he, at the end of the second set is losing his mind to character zero. And he is not listening to fish like outside of, uh, you know, like going to see them in concert and, and seeing that moment and seeing like the power that that band has by playing just like three chords in a way that you do sometimes lose touch with when you listen to them over and over again, like those simple moments of them playing a rock song and just their, their spin on it, uh, can really affect people in a really cool way. Um, what about you, RJ? What were your big complaints last night? No, I'm totally kidding there. 
I mean, after 60 minutes of jamming, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, just do whatever. You guys had much more articulate ways of saying that, but it's like, I mean, I, I thought that was a really, really solid, solid show. And, uh, you know, like the the number line thing is always going to get me. I'm like, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that it's not going to, you know, be played this weekend, probably um, the, the three shows I'm seeing. But it's OK because you guys got got to hear it. I think it's a great, great when that happens. Um, yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter thing is always, especially after a third quarter, if that's how you look at it like that. It doesn't matter. I don't. I mean, I would be. I would have been exhausted and like just kind of riding the wave to the end. You know, I mean, it's hard to. It's hard for me to stack it unless you're expecting like, you know, a perfect show. And if if you're expecting a perfect show, you probably should, you know, maybe take up another hobby because that's not really how it works. You know, so I don't know. I thought I thought the the show like the end flowed kind of. It slowed down for sure, but it flowed well, and I think it it worked. You know, it's my take. I'm right no there with offense you guys. to anyone who who is who is looking for perfection. All the offense. I, there was a perfect show uh, on seven twenty five ninety nine, but we don't need to return to that <laughs> uh, that theme. I've I've already said my piece. I do just want to point out really quick. Uh, this is serendipitous because Matt Higgins is going to be our guest to recap Jones Beach Night One, and you know. I didn't say this already, so I can't claim any sort of ownership. And I didn't say it because I thought I might be thinking a little bit too abstract, but I think Matt is onto something. I agree with him fully here. A wave of hope in a song I heard the ocean sing was flashbacks to the drowned, a song I heard the ocean sing from the Baker's Dozen. I felt that at a time last night where a wave of hope just goes deep and it's this like deep late night jamming the way that that drowned was. And there were moments where a song I heard the ocean sing felt like it was just going to fall apart completely. Um, and then it somehow found this like just brilliant melodic jam that like it peaked over the last six or seven minutes. So great observation there, Matt. We cannot wait to hear your thoughts about Jones beach. Um, Derek and Marco, any final thoughts you guys have as uh, Derek, you, you are back to normal life. Or you get Unfortunately. to fishes through a TV screen. Yeah. Marco, you got a two, two more run, uh, two more show run. Derek, any last thoughts about uh, the summer tour thus far about the uh, Hartford show? Well, I love the encore. I mean, tube first tube. That's, you know, that's like for for standard songs, you know, that that's about as good as you can get for an encore right there. Um, and I mean, we heard first tube finish it out in Bangor, but like, I, I don't care. I mean, that song is just like a adrenaline shot to your heart, right. you know, to, to end a show. Like there aren't very many better ways uh, to end a show than that other than like say the lizards, but that's cause that's my uh, all time favorite fish song. So, um, you know, I'm always sort of hoping for a lizards encore when I go, but I try not to be greedy, <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was a great show, you know, great uh, that, you know, some excellent jams there and then a nice run of high energy stuff to finish it out and, and a great encore to send everybody home happy. Like, I'm really excited to see um, what the rest of the tour holds. And I'll be, of course, listening to every single one. And, um, you know, hopefully we can make some connections to some of the stuff that they were doing last night um, as, as they go well in the night before too. And in the night before that, you know, it feels to me, I mean, the down with disease in Bangor was, was really awesome, but it was so far above anything else in the show that it kind of really, really overshadows it. Whereas mm. both nights in Bethel and last night, you know, there's 
you know, there's a bunch of different pieces that you can point to. And, and I bet, you know, if you, you ask people, there's going to be different favorite jams in every show. And those are the type of shows that I like to see where you could ask five people and they might all say that their favorite jam was a different one. So I hope we get more of that. Um, you know, the, these, uh, type of, um, sets, you know, like last night and in the past couple of nights. So I'm excited. It's a good problem to have when that happens. How about you, Marco? How are, how are you feeling at this point and what are you hoping for tomorrow in uh, Jones beach? Um, I'm hoping for patient fish and also Achilles. Um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a lot more of the same. Um, and I think my final thought is I'm, I've really this tour been thinking back to a previous episode of the show where you um, uh, featured um, that special about Trey's switch to high gain amplifiers. Mm -hmm. And um, I really enjoyed that episode. I listened to it uh, twice because um, I, I've noticed this change in recent years. I haven't been able to put any intelligent um, conversation to it um, myself. I've just noticed it. Um, and I've seen his rig changing, um, but learning about the difference about this train wreck amp and what it is offering, it was something that I went into this tour with my ears really directed towards. And it's really fascinating. And um, I think the description of it from the show was something to the effect of, it's going to sound great when you're playing it quietly and clean. And as soon as you add any amount of extra effort into playing the strings, you're going to hear that gain kicking in and any anything you play perfectly is going to sound perfect and anything with any flaw in it whatsoever is going to come through every speaker in the, yeah. um, in the area. And man, it's such a cool sound to hear. And last night, the quiet parts of blaze on and especially the solo during um, a farmhouse, there are times where you can hear his pick slightly scrape against the string. I noticed that during farmhouse and it just, there's distortion on this pick scrape. And then um, when he goes from, quiet to loud in the same in the same musical phrase it just starts screaming and it's it's, it's really tremendous and it's something worth paying attention to for anybody going to a, a show coming up well i appreciate you mentioning that shout out to ryan chicherry of trey's guitar rig uh i i have nothing intelligent to offer to conversations with him i just follow along and let him take us where it's going to go because that that dude is uh he's something else and i appreciate you listening to that and shouting it out that definitely learned a lot going into this tour as well um well marco and derek this was a total pleasure. You guys are both welcome back anytime. We would love to have further perspectives from you guys. I'm so glad you both got incredible shows this weekend and got to experience the first part of this tour. Um, safe travels, Marco, ahead of the shows tomorrow. And we'll see you guys both a little bit further down the road. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And thank you guys, you know, for doing this every show. It's always so much fun to, to listen to. It makes, you know, tour time even better. I appreciate you saying that, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you so very much. See you guys soon. Thank you. All right. We All right. are we are crossing into an important part of this tour, RJ. Do yeah. you know that? Last yeah. night would have been the Deer Creek Night 3 show. We are now in like just open waters and we are going to Jones Beach. We're going to Raleigh. We're going to Merriweather. We've got some incredible venues coming up here and the band is playing well. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I get to take my one of my best friends to his third fish show ever on Friday night in, in Raleigh. That's incredible. Um, and then I'm going to, to Merriweather with some good friends. I mean, 
you know, it's a uh, it's it's an exciting time to be able to see some more shows for sure. And I also want to say thanks to to Matt Higgins for coming to our Ardmore show. He said hi. Um, he was there before the before the man shows um, last Monday, and it was great to see you there, Matt. So thank you, and thanks to everyone who who showed up and came and hung out with us. Um, yeah, it's gonna be great, man. It's gonna be awesome. We will be back on Wednesday, July twenty seventh. 1 p.m. Eastern to cover night one of Jones Beach. We will have Matt Higgins on to talk with us about that show. Give us his recap from inside the building. And uh, we'll continue to talk about this tour that is uh, evolving in a very cool way. Thanks, everyone, for hanging with us. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk with you all here soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.